This is Steel's Real Life, the podcast about real outdoor people with your host, Joe Thomas. Real Life with Joe Thomas is presented by Steel, maker of a full line of gasoline and battery handheld outdoor power equipment. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. This is Steel's Real Life. I'm your host, Joe Thomas, alongside my producer and sidekick, world-renowned outdoor producer, Jim Kramer. Jim, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Joe. How about you, man? And I'm excited today. We've got a really cool guest. Well, the cool thing about it is that we just got a chance recently to spend some time in the boat for a couple of days smallmouth fishing with this guy. And I really didn't know what to expect, but he's pretty cool. Yeah, he really is. He's done a lot of cool things, and he can fish. And that's always a good thing when you get in the boat with a guy for the first time. Yeah, because you never know what to expect. And without further ado, I want to introduce everybody to this week's guest, reigning U.S. Steel Timber Sports champion, Cassidy Shear. Cassidy, like, Cassidy, doing, what's man? up? Uh, not much, guys. Just uh, here enjoying the start of fall in uh, Minneapolis, and I am ready to talk hunting, fishing, and lumberjacking. <laughs> well, well, good. Those are the topics I think we wanted to. I address. think I think I can handle two out of three of them, maybe. But <laughs> but what I want to fill everybody in, I we you and I had a chance recently to to go and film an episode of Steel's Reel in the Outdoors on Lake Saint Clair and. And the weather tried to get us, but we were we conquered, and, and we had a hoot. We caught a lot of smallmouth, had a great time, and um, I got to learn one thing about you that I didn't know, and that's you are a pretty decent fisherman, if I don't mind saying so. You know? Uh, thank you. Yes, I mean it's uh, it's it's a big part of my life. I would probably consider it to be my number one hobby. Yeah, I've had a you know I I I probably have the most broad lumberjack sports career out there. Uh, in that, uh, you know, I compete in all of the different lumberjack sports disciplines, chopping, sawing, speed climbing, log rolling. And, uh, yeah, I've had a broad, a broad fishing, uh, background as well. Uh, I grew up in Northern Wisconsin and, uh, I did all your, uh, Typical open water fishing, walleye, smallmouth, muskie. Got into trout fishing in my teens, and uh, yeah, after after college, I did some some world traveling where I was backpacking through New Zealand, Argentina, Chile, doing a lot of uh, trout fishing and fly fishing. Then um, post those travels, I took a job in Costa Rica in real estate development and uh our properties that we were developing and selling were on on a uh, big saltwater estuary so i i i did inshore and offshore probably spent over 200 250 days out on saltwater uh learning all those fisheries and then uh yeah moved back to the midwest and uh have really gotten into steelhead fishing over the last 10 years so yeah i I spent a lot of time on the water i like catching lots of fish in lots of different ways well see the the deal is with our tv show we've got this producer uh i think his name's kramer he's sitting across (laughs) the desk from me right now and and his job is to kind of give me some serious background on on the guest for the week or the, or the, the day of filming. And uh, he literally didn't tell me all that stuff about Patagonia and all the fishing you'd done and everything. <laughs> I was totally prepared. Okay, number one, uh, I'm not even going to talk about the mullet yet, but I was totally prepared for some dude to get in my boat and reel the spin, put the spinning reel on top and reel it backwards. That's what I was <laughs> expecting. And I get in the boat and my first, Jim... You were disappointed. I was disappointed. And I think the first thing I said to Cassidy 
when I saw him was, dude, what happened to the mullet? What happened? I was so looking forward I to the mullet. I was so excited to fish with a dude with the <laughs> mullet. I mean, I watched the steel timber sports yeah. and you're out there and you got the, you know, you're chopping and the hair's flying and all that. And, and man, you get in the boat and you look like, I mean, you're like high and tight. I mean, you're, <laughs> I'm talking, you're, you're clean cut all. And the first thing you said to us was, my wife and daughter are not very happy about it. Tell me a little bit about. <laughs> tell me a little bit about what they said when you chopped off the sholo. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So you're you're uh, yeah only only half correct. My daughter was was not happy with with me cutting off the mullet. Uh, she really liked to 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 twirl it in her fingers, and it it it, it brought her great joy. She would talk about how her dad has a mullet. Uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, was completely okay to see it go. It got uh, a little unruly in the winter, and I'm like, you know what? I, I only meant to have this thing for a couple of months. I started winning a bunch of timber sports competitions, so I kept it as my good luck charm. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, this is complete <laughs> happenstance, but uh, I, I I cut the mullet uh, right before Tiger King came out. So I I think— What a missed you know, opportunity. I totally mean, missed well, opportunity. <laughs> personally, I think I think like— just being a little bit ahead of the curve and cutting my mullet right before peak mullet uh, <laughs> is a good thing. But uh, I am I am starting to grow it out a bit more. I told yes. my stylist yes. that uh, I am I am okay about you know growing growing some length back out. So I'm sure that she'll kind of taper it That's back it. back into that you know classic Minnesota hockey here. I might not go full full mullet, but uh, yeah, I mean. I've had good success fishing and lumberjacking. <laughs> I want to have that, you know, business up front, party in the back. There you go. Yeah, the you got like waterfall. And yeah. trust me, just you, the, it, it's not hard to find. I've done it. I pulled them up. Uh, images of Cassidy Shear on your little Google machine. Check it out because the the pictures are are actually awesome. <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch. But hey, I'm gonna back you up, man. You you've you've been in lumberjacking and your family and you've been in the outdoors your whole life. Take me back and tell a little bit about, you've got a pretty famous lumberjacking family. I mean, the, your, your roots run deep there w with uh, the timber sports and the steel timber sports, but also the, the the individual venues that your family runs. Just tell me a little bit about that whole thing and how it all came about. Uh, yeah. So my, my, my father and uh, his siblings grew up in Hayward, Wisconsin, which is home of the Lumberjack World Championships, which would be probably your largest and most prestigious uh, standalone lumberjack sports event. Uh, in the U.S. and North America, for that matter, he and his siblings—they were—they were mostly log rollers to uh, start out with. Um, my father, Fred, has four world titles, and then uh, in my extended family of aunts, uncles, and cousins, I think we now have 31. Uh, individual wins at at wow. that competition uh mostly in log rolling my uncle robert he was a uh, world champion ski climber for a couple of years as well and then he and my father together uh i think it's 35 years ago now started uh the shears lumberjack show which is basically like a uh, a, a medieval times but for uh lumberjack sports so people come in pay an admission ticket they get a demonstration of uh, all the lumberjack sports timber sports events and we mix in some some history and some comedy and it's uh it's about a 75 minute production they started that out in hayward there i think they charged two bucks 
bucks for their first ticket. Wow. <laughs> and basically just set out lawn chairs and were using rudimentary tools. And I mean, they didn't have the fancy access. They basically were pulling, pulling stuff off the, off the walls of people's cabins and, and sharpening them up. But, uh, people liked it. It was good, wholesome live entertainment. And, uh, they turned that into, I don't know, more or less kind of a small lumberjack sports entertainment uh, empire with uh, traveling shows that would go to your fairs and festivals. They actually have climbing trees on a hydraulic lift. My father and I together, we run three permanent uh, show sites in Wisconsin. My Uncle Rob, he has a, a big lumberjack show in Ketchikan, Alaska that uh, caters to the cruise ships. So they're obviously taking a season off right now. And then my Aunt Tina has one out in Maine. And uh, yeah, I mean, we all derive a substantial portion of our of our income from lumberjack entertainment so that's one half of it um you know obviously then i have my competitive side where uh yeah just like my my family i started off as a as a log roller and speed climber i've i've won 10 titles uh, in speed climbing at that that big competition in hayward and then uh about six years ago now i started working out a lot more i started getting bigger and stronger i I got into CrossFit for a brief period and uh, suddenly I just started swinging the axe and pulling the crosscut saw a lot better. And at that time, and still to this day, the uh, Steel Timber Sports Series, uh, sponsored by Steel, it's been going on 35 years now. Um, they have the largest and most prestigious lumberjack sports events in the world. Um, they get quality sponsorship money behind them. They air on ESPN. Come on. Yep. I mean, how, uh, yeah. how big is that? I mean, I've, I've watched you guys since I was, you know, a long, well, let's put it this way, a long time. And, and the excitement that they generate, those, those shows, not just the shows, but the Steel Timber Sports Series generates with all the things you guys do and, and to make it on ESPN. I mean, that has to be big, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It's, it's by far the biggest, uh, biggest production that we have in our sports. Um, it's, it's a very exciting sport. Not many people know about it. Uh, steel does a great job with their production team to, uh, yeah, I mean, put on a first rate athletic event. And I saw that and I'm like, I, I want the prestige. I, I want to make a go of the chopping sawing now. So I bought all the equipment, started training, uh, really, really dialed in my, my, my technique, sought some coaching. And, uh, yeah, I first qualified for steel timber sports three years ago. I got eighth out of out of the 40 competitors my first year then sixth and then last year i won my first u.s championship very exciting and then i followed that up by going to the steel timber sports world championship where they take the 12 national champions from the top 12 ranked countries i do think that yeah i think 26 individual countries uh, have their own steel timber sports league now wow. and uh, yeah yeah, yeah, I got I got second place there. Um, yeah, and it was in a packed stadium in the Prague, Czech Republic, and they've got the laser light show and the <laughs> smoke and Very just cool. a really high a production value. And yeah, I mean, it was everything that I set out to do back when I decided, hey, I I, I want to make steel timber sports happen. Yeah, very cool, uh, well, Cassidy. Let's talk a little bit about. Oh, what what all is entailed now i know there are six disciplines and for people who may not be familiar with it uh give me a little bit of an idea of what you have to do to become the, the u.s champion 
Right. Yeah. So uh, steel timber sports consists of uh, six chopping and sawing disciplines, three chopping, three sawing. And uh, you compete against your fellow competitors in, in a in a pool format. So in the U.S., we start off with uh, five regionals of eight competitors. You compete in uh, all six events and you're awarded points based on your placement in uh, each discipline. Um, and so, yeah, the top four advance from the regional round. Um, all, yeah, all the points from each event are tallied together. And uh, yeah, do you basically keep on working your way up? We have a a regional round in the U.S. and then we have a a, a national semifinal and then a final and then yeah the uh, the national champion then goes to the world championship uh, every year. And, so now, uh, now now Cassidy, uh, I've watched it so I know I've been to the events I've seen you guys and and I I understand the sport but there's a lot of our listeners out there right now they're going okay so what even is a discipline All right. Basically, there's there's what six events, correct? In yes. in in a competition, kind of just briefly uh, breeze through those and tell uh, you know, what each event is in the the of the six disciplines. Right. Yeah. So all of the six disciplines represent an actual workaday skill that a logger uh, would use out in the woods. So uh, obviously, axes aren't really used too much anymore, but. But our three chopping events, so which are the underhand chop, standing block chop, and springboard chop, would all be techniques that guys would have used out in the woods way back in the day to cut down timber and then get it into manageable lengths. The underhand is where we stand on, on top of the log and we uh, chop through it. Uh, halfway on one side, turn around, uh, chop through it on the other side. Standing block is basically the representation of felling a tree while standing up. Uh, and then the springboard is probably the favorite and most technical uh, of the chopping events. That uses a technique where uh, a lot of times these larger trees that uh, loggers would fell in the woods would have a large fanned out root system. And that wood is hard. And it's a larger diameter than the than the main part of the tree. So they devised a system of where they would chop a notch uh, into the tree and then use these springboards as a ladder system to get up 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 to a point where the tree was a more constant diameter. And then again, they would fell fell the tree by uh, using an axe or a saw. And in some cases, dynamite. Uh, we don't use uh, explosives in steel timber sports. That would bring we up use the an axe instead. Level. That would be yeah. cool, though. Yeah. You got to admit, some explosion, a little tannerite or something. Yeah. yeah, it would be cool. Yes. Um, yeah. And then our 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 sawing disciplines. Uh, we have the uh, steel stock saw. That is using just a standard steel. 661 chainsaw. Uh, we all use the exact same saws. They have been tuned to run at the exact same RPM. Wow. And uh, that just tests basically operators' ability to run the saw at optimal RPM. Um, very technical event, very hard to consistently get good at. Uh, and then we have the single buck, which is a large uh, racing use manual saw. Uh, I run a saw that uh, is six foot four inches, uh, precision filed for optimal race cutting, costs about $2,500. Wow. Very physically intense uh, event that would use probably the most, you know, full body power output in a short period of time of any. Uh, of our disciplines. And then the final event, a uh, crowd favorite, you know, it's, it's, it's a mix of uh, your mental uh, acuity, uh, your ability to perform under pressure and your ability to build a 
Mad Max style chainsaw <laughs> that uh, is our hot saw event where we're taking. Uh, yeah, so yes, yeah, so my my hot saw is built from a Honda CR two fifty. Uh, dirt bike motor it's been uh, increased up to 330 cc's and then has a custom exhaust a variety of porting runs about 60 65 horsepower and with that saw and a precision ground chain itself costs a thousand dollars to purchase and then have ground uh, down to thousands of an inch Uh, it'll make three cuts through 20 inch white pine in under six seconds that is the craziest event, and if no, if you, if people haven't ever seen the hot saw, I I actually have been to a few events. As you know, a good friend of mine is Mike Sullivan. He's one of the you know the hot saw gurus of of the steel timber sports. And to watch you guys make those three cuts that fast, and and they have to be within uh, a certain lines six inches six, of wood. Yes, yeah. in six inches of wood, yeah. it's crazy. And if you cut out, it's uh, it's a penalty or a disqualification. It's it is pretty amazing. But when you put all of those events together. It's quite a spectacle. You got all these big, strong guys and and, and women, ladies doing it, do it, do it too. Yep. And it, the the steel timber sports uh, has really, again, I, I attribute a lot of it to that television coverage on ESPN. It brought it to the to the main stage. It brought it brought it to the forefront. And now you've got all these different countries that are having their un- individual competitions, which you know sends you to the worlds. It's literally become a global event. Correct. Lumberjack sports and and lumberjack sports competitions have certainly been around in the U.S. and other places where it's popular, like Australia and New Zealand, for close to 100 years now. But it wasn't until Steel, you know, thought, hey, we want to create this branded product competition and really give it the exposure that we think it deserves. I mean, it was it was just something that you would see at fairs and festivals, and occasionally it. it it got picked up by like ABC Wild World of Sports or other sporting programs as kind of a novelty thing. But uh, I mean, Steel really did put the money and exposure uh, into it and has created such a strong brand that, you know, people use the terms lumberjack sports and timber sports uh, interchangeably now. Uh, I, I, I think that's a that's an amazing you know symbol of, of building a a. a a, a strong brand. And uh, now, I mean, you have it to where, yeah, I mean, there are 20, 26 countries, they're expanding all the time. And there's a lot of growth. I mean, I checked the Steel Timber Sports database, which is uh, a, a resource that anybody can use worldwide to check everybody's competition results and 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 just look at athlete profiles. I think they have a thousand athletes uh, in the database right now. Wow. So that's uh, phenomenal. Pretty cool. Yeah. Jim, can you believe it? Summer is almost over, man. It flew by this year, Joe. I mean, Labor Day is around the corner. And I don't know about you, the one thing I look forward to is a little cooler temperatures. It makes me feel like I can get out there and work on my yard. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And the one thing I always know this time of year is when I can really get a lot done with my trimming and my landscaping and and things that are, you know, different than normal late maintenance. And I want to say one thing. You never have to guess what kind of tool is going to be in my hand because steel literally makes a tool for everything I need to do when it comes to my fall uh, landscaping. And you have the entire line of the battery-powered steel tools too, right? Yeah, actually, I have I have a, a, a lot of steel tools, but, yeah. but more recently, I have had an opportunity to, to get a bunch of the battery-operated stuff, and it's amazing. It, it, it's it's light, and it's, it's quiet, and it's efficient. My wife loves using it too, which gives me an extra 
your hand here and there, which is very cool. And, uh, you know, the, the main thing about it is, is I know I've got the right tool for the job and it's always ready to go. Now you can shop online for steel products and then you go into your dealer and you can pick up the order uh, with, with your local dealer in your area. And they're great about showing you how to operate everything. It's a really cool system. And uh, there's like 9,000 of them across the country. And yeah, there's going to be one close to just about everybody. Yeah, for sure. And it's easy to find them online. All you have to do is go to steelusa.com and you can find a dealer near you. It's that simple. You know what I find very interesting, and, and that's a lot of the reason I wanted so bad to have you on on this podcast, was the fact that a lot of these guys, I mean, they're outdoorsmen. They're outdoor people. And right. and obviously, I saw that in you when when we got to fish together. And you spend a, a couple days in a boat with a guy. That's how you really get to know a guy. And I, 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 I really want to go back to... When you first came out of college, one of the things that really shocked me was that you said you graduated from college and you were kind of like deciding what you were going to do. And you thought, you know what, I think I'll take a year or two and I'm going to backpack through Patagonia or a bunch of other places that you went fishing. Tell me a little bit about that part of your life and and what that was like, because uh, you got to be in like the 0.003 percentile of people that's ever done anything like that. You know, <laughs> That whole opportunity was actually kind of set up uh, by Lumberjack Sports. Uh, in 2005, we had a big competition that was partially sponsored by Steel called the Great Outdoor Games. Uh, I it remember was it. Basically, yes. Yeah, and uh, a, a collection of outdoor sports. They had, they had fishing, they had sporting dogs, uh, they had some ATV racing, um, shooting sports. Uh, yeah, it, a, a primetime competition really high production value, uh, showcased on ESPN. And I won the premier event at the time called the super Jack, which was, you know, basically all your steel timber sports events and then log rolling and speed climbing events as well. Um, so I won that. I won a nice chunk of money and the combination of not getting a job offer that I liked <laughs> fresh out of college <laughs> and having, yeah, some extra money in, uh, in my pocket from winning that competition, I decided to uh, first go to New Zealand where I had uh, had had met a, a competitor uh, who came over to compete in the U.S. that had a touring lumberjack entertainment outfit in New Zealand. So I went to go work for him for a couple of months. We traveled around uh, doing lumberjack entertainment. And then when we had had a few days or, or a week uh, in between gigs, I would take off with my sleeping bag and my tent and my backpack, and I'd, I'd either camp and, or I'd stay in hostels and uh, kind of rediscovered my love of trout fishing. And uh, they've got some amazing backcountry there in New Zealand with uh, pristine rivers with lots of trout and no people. I had a great time. I also kind of caught the you know backpacker travel bugs. So once that was over, I then uh, kept the party rolling through much of Central and South America. Um, yeah, spent a lot of time in New Zealand and in, in, uh, Chile hiking hiking the backcountry through Patagonia. Yeah, like doing these big you know five day treks where I'm I'm packing my food in. I'm I'm hiking to campsites 
kind of going solo. I met this English guy who was also into it. So we, we traveled a bunch of places together. Yeah. Just fishing and being outdoorsy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very influential time period in my life. And from that, I ended up learning to speak Spanish, which is how I then landed my gig uh, at this real estate development company uh, in Costa Rica. It's kind of interesting how things just dovetail. I know, look, I look back a little snippet to my life and decisions that I made to do things at the time. Maybe my parents didn't see them as being really rational, if you know what I mean. Kind of like quitting uh, at the beginning of the senior year of college to go be a bass pro. You know what I mean? Didn't seem yeah. like such a great idea at the time, but, uh, you know, it all, it actually worked out uh, to my benefit. And, and it seems like that that was a, a pretty, a pretty interesting part of your life. And now we fast forward, you know, you've won a lot in the steel timber sports. You've, you've, you and your family have, if not the greatest name, but one of the great names in, in uh, competitive lumberjacking. But now you're a family guy. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, after I was, I was uh, done working in Costa Rica full time, I, I uh, still like that's, that is still one of my revenue streams and I commit a certain amount of hours to it uh, each week, but I'm not, I'm not traveling there as often, uh, as I used to. So I, uh, yeah, I, I moved back to the Midwest here, met my wife. We got married, uh, five years ago now and, uh, have a four-year-old daughter who just started her first day of a uh, 4k kindergarten today. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've just, been trying to, you know, find that balance of, uh, of, of, of work, family and uh, things that I enjoy. And just, you know, I, I try to take the approach of let's, let's just make good decisions that feel right and are part of a longer term goal. And my goal right now is to, you know, basically provide the best, uh, lifestyle and opportunities and opportunities, you know, mostly just to spend time with people that I enjoy, you know, friends, family, and, uh, and to create the opportunities and the lifestyle that allows me to, you know, again, you know, dictate how I spend my time, whether that's, you know, spending it with friends and family or doing lumberjack competitions or making that time to, uh, go out and do the fishing and hunting that I enjoy. Well, Cassidy, you're you're still a young guy, okay, and you've won so much in the sport. You're the reigning U.S. Steel Timber Sports champion. What's next, man? Yeah, I mean, I I still have quite a few good years left uh, in in timber sports. It's it's a unique sport in that uh, people age into it pretty well. Um, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, I I can't be the log roller and 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 speed climber that I was back in my early thirties or twenties, just cause there's a certain fast twitch element that you, you know, start to lose, uh, as you age, but a uh, timber sports really, I mean, the, the presentation and technique can be so fine. Um, and is such a learned skill that it really takes time to master that. Uh, yeah, I mean, guys, guys really age well into it. I mean, I think Jason Winyard won several of his world championships in his mid to early forties. Um, I see guys who are, who are solid competitors in the U S series every year, like Arden Coger jr. He just turned 50 and he's still a threat to win. So, I mean, I, I figure that I've got, you know, three or four years of really still being at, at my peak athleticism. And then at that point, you know, I'll just, find the balance of involvement and, and activity 
that fits best with my lifestyle and and my goals for my life at that time. So yeah, I mean, right now I'm actually uh, training hard for the 2020 steel timber sports world championship, which is scheduled to uh, happen in Munich, Germany at the end of November. There is no U.S. championship this year, just with the current pandemic situation. Steel doesn't feel like they can safely provide a forum for people to travel from all around the country to compete together. So as as the current uh, 2019 champion, I've been given the go-ahead to travel to Germany to compete. So I'm trying to make the most of that opportunity right now. Yeah, well, I can promise you after after this 30-some minutes, I think you've gained a lot of fans. I, I know you have my respect, not only as a steel timber sports competitor, but uh, as a fisherman and just a, a good guy and a family man. And uh, I think that's what, you know, being a, a real outdoor person is all about, you know, and you're well-rounded, you got a lot of things going. And I think we're going to see a lot of, of, a lot of you in the future. And, uh, if, uh, if I have my way, I'll be tuning in for that world championship and, and hopefully I'll see you standing on top of the stage, big guy. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. That's the goal. I just gotta keep, uh, keep on working hard with my training here, uh, it might get sidetracked a little bit now that the fall steelhead run here in Northern <laughs> Wisconsin is about to start. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I can make it balance out pretty well. And yeah, I, I actually like fishing on my active recovery days. Cause, uh, yeah, I, I fish hard. I do a lot of uh, aggressive wading and cover, cover lots of ground and, uh, love, I love to catch those big lake run trout. Nothing like lake trout training <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually gonna I'm, i might grab that from you i would do a little youtube uh, cross training yeah. for lake trout cross training yeah. hey cassidy Shear, you're a, you're a good dude we enjoy it we thanks thanks for everything you do for the uh, steel and the steel timber sports series and we wish you best in the world championship buddy thank you all the best to you guys as well and uh yeah i'll i'll keep training and i look forward to fishing with you as well again joe great fantastic sounds cassidy great Shear, thank you very much my pleasure guys Jim, what an interesting guy. Yeah, man. And you can tell how focused and into this sport he is. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Cassidy Shear on the Steel Timber Sports Series for a long time, probably at the very top of the rankings. Oh, I'd agree with you there. Thanks for listening to Steel's Real Life with Joe Thomas. Steel's Real Life is a presentation of Real Outdoors TV. All rights reserved.